Alrighty, good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Tea Podcast. We have a great episode. We always have great episodes. I don't know why I even say that because they're, they're all good. Uh, today we have a professional person in the studio, super professional. Like her titles are so long that the, the best thing I could say is just she's a, she's a professional woman and she's also a fellow leadership Lafayette classmate. Her name is Alicia Johnson Cook. We're going to be talking with her about all the things she's involved in and why she joined Leadership Lafayette and some other things. So stick around. So real quick, we have our presenting sponsor, Chase Group Construction. Chase Group takes the lead and becomes your one point of contact for the entire design build process. So if you're looking to build something, they are your people. They take the, the they have a diverse portfolio of projects that range from medical to popular restaurants to multi-unit shopping centers. Great local people, uh, super super nice guys, and they get the job done. Uh, that is my saying, not theirs. Um, their website is chasegroupconstruction.com. Uh, if you contact them, let them know that I sent you. So hopefully I make some kind of referral money. That'd be cool. Uh, if not, still check them out. They're great. And um, yeah, and real quick, um, I'm going to show you this logo. I'm going to figure out a better way to show the logo and the the title. But uh, Mir Group, they are a... Uh, Partial sponsor for the studio, the official studio of the T Podcast. We have not had an official studio since 2018, and now we're paying a lease. So there we go. So I'm going to go ahead and switch to a split screen situation here, and let's get the introduction, a little bit more of an elaborate uh, introduction of Alicia. So Alicia, welcome to the T Podcast. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So tell me a little bit about you, uh, the the shortened version that you can provide, and then we'll we'll kind of dive into all of the all of the different things that you're involved in. Yeah, no. Um, from Lafayette, um, I actually moved away after graduating from UL College of Business and Management. Um, I went to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, um, and I was gone for about 15 years. 15 um, years. 15 God. years. Yeah. I worked for a company called International Paper, um, so I had the opportunity with them to travel a lot, live in a lot of different places, and then it, after a little bit, I won't deny it, at first I was like, I'm never coming back <laughs> to that <laughs> yet, but um, I always visited, love home, love the festivals, all the things, Yeah. Um, but it hit me that I wanted to move back home, um, so I started to figure out how to do that. I had the opportunity to do so um, at the end of 2019. Took a little time off, did some traveling, and joined the family, and settled down January 2020. You know what else happened January 2020? A lot of stuff happened. A lot of stuff. So my my plans, you know, all the things just went upside down. Um, but I was glad to be home um, experiencing that. But um, from there, obviously, wanted to get very involved in the community. Um, joined uh, the board for ACA. Joined the 705. Um, I was already in the uh, Junior League of Memphis, uh, transferred to the Junior League of Lafayette. Um, so it just became all things community. Okay, that is the greatest shortened uh, <laughs> introduction that I think I've heard to date. So a couple of things. Um, when, when did you say you moved out of Lafayette? 
I graduated from UL 2005. Um, 2005. And so I started the program, my grad program in 06. So, yeah. So I moved officially in 06. So you moved to Tennessee. You moved into Memphis area? I moved to Knoxville. Knoxville, Yeah, I went to the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Did an accelerated MBA program. So it was like 17 months. Um, I had an internship during that time in Chicago. So I spent the the summer in Chicago. And then after finishing my final semester, I moved to Memphis. Okay. Okay. And so from Memphis, that's when you moved back to Lafayette. So from Memphis. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> um, and I'll do this quickly, but <clears throat> I had a, like great opportunities to, to grow and learn and, and live in different places. So from Memphis, I um, was there for about two and a half years, the first stint. Then I moved to Baltimore, um, worked out there for about a year. So I lived in the middle of DC and Baltimore in a town called Laurel, Maryland. Um, then I moved to Charlotte, was there for a year. Then I moved to Portland, Oregon, um, where I lived in Beaverton, right outside of Portland for almost three years. Okay. Um, and then I moved back to Memphis, bought a house, thought that I was going to settle down. And then I was like, hmm, I don't know if this is my forever home. Uh, and that's when I decided to, to move back. Okay. Wow. So you've been to several Big cities. Yeah. And Port- near Portland. I mean, how was Portland? I loved Portland. Portland. Really? Yeah, it was everything. Honestly, the the worst part was just how far it was from home. Um, everywhere, uh, everywhere else, I was able to, to get home fairly easily, you know, for holidays, family events, um, you know, just to, to go home if I wanted to. But from Portland, it was a full day's travel. Um, and very expensive, <laughs> especially flying into Lafayette. You yeah, know, at that yeah. time, the, the airport was still very small. Um, and so, yeah, but Portland, it offered so much. The downtown was really thriving. It had, you know, they had a um, an NBA team. You know, the arts uh, was really big out there. But also just like in extracurricular activities, you can go hiking. There were great waterfalls and hiking trails. You can go to the beach, albeit don't get in the water. It's too cold, but you could still do all the beach things, bonfires and all the things. Um, you can go to the mountain. There's a desert not too far. So you did a lot of hiking? I did did I did the hiking, the whitewater rafting. Um, obviously, like I said, the beach. So, and I love, we went camping in, um, Washington. Yeah, I did. I would have never (laughs) said, oh, Alicia is a hiker and a camper, uh, an outdoorsy person. I would have never Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm married to a big truck driving, camouflage wearing country boys. Okay. (laughs) That is so different. Like, wow. (laughs) When I I pull up in his truck, people are like, wait. It doesn't fit. Like, so So, do you live in Karen Crow right now? Because that sounds like a very, something very Karen Crow. I did. I went to Karen Crow High, so I, I was very familiar. He actually went to Karen Crow High as well. Okay, so that's um, making sense. But we live in Bro Bridge. He does not want to live in the city limits. He oh. wants, so we have, our neighbors have goats. The other one has horses. So it's uh, very much in the country. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I would have never thought. <laughs> you, seem, you seem very... Uh, now, I'm a city girl. I, 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 yeah, yeah. That's what that's that's the vibe I'm getting from you. Is I the am very a city prim girl. and like, you know, posh city girl. Yeah, that's the but yeah. you have country So I let my hair down. Yeah. And it's a whole different side. Wow. <laughs> you, you you ride four wheelers and all that stuff too? Oh my love it. Okay. Love it. Figured. In, in the mud, it I'm doesn't figured. even matter. Like I'm here for it. Surprise. <laughs> like okay. Um so Brent Broussard says, What's up? Lit thirty six. Shira Moran, she's watching. She goes, yes, let's go, Lit 36. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay. My squad always represents. (laughs) 
Um, man, so it's it's quite the the trek. And so, so what? Obviously, you were you're uh, you were born and raised here, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you moved, and you thought that your forever home would be in Memphis, what 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 was calling? Obviously, you, from Memphis, you moved some some other places yeah. besides Lafayette. But like, at what point did you realize that Lafayette? Like, because a lot of people, they say, oh, you know, I'm from yeah. Lafayette, and I don't want to live here. I want to go to a bigger city. And you did. Yeah. But you came back. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, and Memphis wasn't necessarily going to be the forever home. I just figured because the company I worked for was headquartered, the international, the global headquarters was there. And for that company, all roads lead to Memphis. Um, and I had a great career. I loved the company. So there were no issues there. Um, but so when we talk about when I left, I left because, you know, I don't have that traditional, um, you know, going straight through undergrad or excuse me, from high school to, you know, undergrad and the college experience and all those things. My road was a bit bumpy. Um, so I actually started, um, UL in 99 after graduating and I stopped going after about three semesters. Um, I had a change in my major, you know, I was pre-law, but didn't like poli-sci. <laughs> and so um, I was like, okay, this isn't for me. And I wasn't doing well. Um, and so I took some time off and I started working. Um, I was selling shoes. Okay. I, yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I went champs at the time in the mall. And then I had an opportunity to become an assistant manager at Lady Foot Locker. Um, right. And so I was doing that. Um, and it was one day I was there and I was looking around at all of the different managers and I didn't see anyone like older than like, you know, 30, you know, whatever. And I was like, so what does this look like for me? What's next? You know, I I didn't finish school. And so I really had to humble myself and I asked my mom if I could move back home and just, you know, go back to school and just focus on that. And then I went back and I did summer, winter intercession. Like I did all, like every opportunity I had to catch up, get my GPA up. Um, And then I just felt like I needed to leave for me to really like flourish. I never lived on campus because I lived on the north side, not far from campus. So it didn't, you know, from a financial standpoint, it didn't didn't make make sense. sense, But that meant that I never really left my home, you know, my, my routines never really changed. I just went to class and then, you know, did the same things. So that was really what, um, pushed me to leave. Uh, when I graduated, my dad actually gave me a great opportunity that I was not ready to take advantage of when I graduated. And again, business, uh, business management, my dad's like, okay, well, write a business plan. Um, we'll start a company, you know, 51% in your name, 49% in mine, you know, let's, and I was like, wait, what? I mean, I've written a business plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I never thought about, okay, what service or what product, you know, I, I never had that true entrepreneurial mindset. You know, I loved, you know, management. I loved operations. I loved business. But I had never really thought about a, being a business owner. Um, so when he <laughs> when he gave me that opportunity, I was like, um, let me go to a little more school first, and then we'll, <laughs> and then we'll talk about it. So um, that's when I said, okay, I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to go straight through. Um, and so I didn't, when I left, I didn't think I was not coming back. Um, I went to Knoxville, although I had been in Knoxville because my dad lived out there. I'd been out there a lot. That was a big city for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, Knoxville's a, pretty decent I mean, size. Yeah. It is until you go to Chicago for your internship. Right, right. And then you're like, oh, this is a big city. <laughs> this is the big city. Because I, I think Chicago's third or fifth largest city in the United States. I, Houston is the fourth. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. even know New that. New York's number one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just remember walking downtown in Chicago, like, 
a, a country girl, but just so happy and like just happy and walking downtown and just that feel of just living. Um, and so I still, honestly, Lafayette wasn't even like in my mind because it, it, when I say that, it's not like I was thinking about where I was going to live. I was just in the moment. Yeah, right. And so um, <clears throat> when I graduated or the semester, because, you, you know, you're trying to get job offers before you graduate so that my last semester, I had an opportunity to go to Target or um, International Paper. Those are the two offers I had. And for Target, I can't remember. It was going to be somewhere in the South. I can't remember. Um, and then International Paper was in Memphis. So are these executive level uh, positions or? Well, coming out of the MBA, so for International Paper, I actually had two offers. One was in the business IT side, and then the other one was in transportation. So not entry level, but not like executive, right? Um, and then for Target, it was um, at a distribution center. I can't even remember the role. You're making me feel old right I'm now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, I chose International Paper because, um, one, it was an international company, yeah. and uh, my dad had exposure to it um, when he was in college. He's a chemical engineer. And so engineering is really big in, uh, at, in, in at international paper, but obviously logistics is right yeah. there next to it. Um, but I had an opportunity, you know, as I said, to go all these different places and the career opportunities were almost endless. So that's why I chose, well, in one, in Memphis, outside of watching it on First 48, <laughs> um, the the city had a lot. And, you know, I enjoyed my time there. You know, when they're courting students, they bring you and they take you to a game and they do these things and show off the good sides of Memphis. Yeah. Um, and honestly, my time in Memphis was really good. There is crime, but I was never impacted by it directly. So, yeah. Okay. So, there was a lot yeah. there, but ultimately, <laughs> I want to. Did you did you specify why you came back from Lafayette? Like ultimately, oh, yeah. like that was the question. The 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 root, <laughs> the root of coming back because I mean family. you loved all the okay. So family, yeah, yeah. it was at the time and uh, and honestly not just family but support system. Mm. Um, so when when I was in Portland, there was something that happened because you don't you know when things happen when you're at work when you're, you know, work, work somewhere, a lot of times we blame a company. Um, but I definitely recognize that, you know, especially as big as that organization was, I wasn't going to derail, derail my career for a bad manager. Right. But that made me realize that I also need a support system. And in Portland, although I had a lot of friends, um, there's nothing like, you know, your true family and people that have known you for a really long time. Right. Because I had been a transplant in so many different cities. I do make friends really quickly. But, you know, I started to miss that feeling of people that knew me before, like, like you said, so you met me now, so you see prim and proper, but you know, the people that really know me, you know, not to say that you don't you know, yeah, me, yeah, but yeah, people yeah. That know me for a long time, yeah. you know, they, they know that I'm really multifaceted. And so I missed that. And that was one of the first things I was like, okay, do I want to go home? And I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll move like <laughs> close, like Baton Rouge or New Orleans or something like that. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, um, it was that feeling that I wanted that connection back to people that knew me before, you know, all the move and, you know, what I look like when I show up professionally. Yeah. So do you like Lafayette? I love Lafayette. Okay. I mean, the, I mean, I came home, I was over the years when I would visit, I watched the progression of the city. 
you know, River Ranch, uh, you know, Ambassador Center kind of growing and budding, um, downtown budding, because, you know, when I was here, we didn't do anything downtown. Right. You know, that wasn't like, I remember having a friend come in town. I was like, oh, I'm going to come check out your downtown. And I was like, and I rolled down like Jefferson and they were like, that's it. I was like, yeah, just, where, where else are we going? And, you know, it was, yeah. it wasn't, <laughs> you know, it wasn't much, but to, to watch the progress and the development, um, it does give me pride to be able to say, you know, I'm from here. You know, I grew up on the north side of town. I went to Karen Crow High. I went to the University of Louisiana and Lafayette. You know, so coming back home, um, this is my forever home. You know, it, it really is because there literally is literally is no place like home where your roots are, where I can drive by the neighborhood that I grew up in or go to the high school that I went to. I like that feeling. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. So do you feel that, and we, I got to mention my sponsors shortly after this question. Uh, do you feel that your professional career has been limited by living in Lafayette? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I can't deny that that is my, I mean, so when you ask me if I love Lafayette, yeah, but you know, am I, you know, we did that listen up, uh, reverse forum, um, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I, I was very transparent there, you know, the questions we were asked were, you know, do you feel like you're thriving in Lafayette? And honestly, no. Do I feel like I can? Yes. But um, from a career standpoint, you know, when you, you know, we, we joke around how long my bio is, but yeah. like I said, you know, I do that because I'm really trying hard to get a job, yeah. <laughs> you know, to get some stability. Right. And so I, I started AJC business solutions. It's a consulting company, but it's only, you know, as good as how many clients you have. And we know that Lafayette is very much so, you know, relationship based who, you know, it's who definitely. You know. and so that's why I started doing all the things I knew where I was coming, you know, so that's why I jumped straight into the community, you know, when I, I came home and yeah, I, I know a lot of people, you know, I, I even made it on the, the power pole list, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, Hey, this is kind of cool. But like I said at the Listen Up Forum, but none of that has translated to my bank account just yet. None mm. of that has given me a, a better feeling of stability. My husband definitely supports me. Um, he allows me to be able to do all these non-revenue generating things <laughs> in the community. And I keep telling him, it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off. But going into year three, um, it's it's tough. Year uh, three of living back of, in of Lafayette. coming home, yep. yeah. Um, and have I had to wonder if I'm going to be able to stay home. Yes. Okay. You know, um, and that, that's a real, it's a reality for me. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> let me get my sponsors mentioned yeah. here. So the speaking of stability, <laughs> uh, in order to stay stable, I have these sponsors, which I'm grateful for. So the first one, uh, the first one's technically chase groups, but the second one, we'll say that is um, the Music Academy of Acadiana. So if you want to unleash your musical potential, you know where you can go. Music Academy of Acadiana. They are Acadiana's top choice for music lessons in piano, guitar, drums, violin, saxophone, all the instruments. Uh, and if you want to learn how to make your voice better, they can help you with that too. So you can take voice lessons. And if you suck at all of that and you can't sing, uh, they have audio production too. So if you can hear music and you know, it sounds good, you just can't produce it with your voice or with your hands. Um, you can use machinery and electronics to make music sound good. They teach that. So they have a, a very experienced set of instructors that cater to students of all ages and styles. They send students to college and major music competitions like American Idol and The Voice. Uh, and they're founded by UL Lafayette Music School graduate Tim Benson. 
And uh, he's also in a emo cover band. So if you like the early 2000s uh, emo rock type stuff, they, you know, he, they have an emo band, that, or emo cover band, rather, that they started. So it's really cool. He had, they have the swoopy black hair and all that good stuff, you know? <laughs> and cry me a river type situation. Um, but they've won national recognition and are consistently voted as a top music school since 2016 in Lafayette. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. Um, you can check their website out at musicacademyacadiana.com. And then we have electronic protection systems, or everybody knows it as EPS, if you see the signs around town in front of people's yards. So electronic protection systems, they've been around since, uh, oh God, for 20 years. They specialize in home security systems, smart home security systems, and whole home water conditioning systems. Um, we bought a new home last year, and we got hit with like, hey, uh, do you have a security system with the salesperson? I'm like, I do. I really don't like the company, but I'm like... I'm kind of locked in, and they were like, look, we can help you out. We're cheaper. I'm like, oh, you got me. Cheaper? And it, you're local. So I was like, okay. So I, we went ahead and signed up for the security system. A few months later, they came to me and said, hey, you want to do, a, like, a, a water check on your in your house, like, to see if your water is good? I'm like, I know my water's not good. I live out in the country in the, in the Karen Crow area. Even though I'm on, like, a good water system, like, eh, it's hard water. And so they said, well, like, we'll, we'll do a free water test. They, they came and did that. And my water was hard. It had a lot of chlorine in it and um, sediment. And they said, look, this water conditioning system, it is a little, you know, um, an investment for your home. But it'll save you money on water bottles. So, like, you won't have to buy, you know, bottled water, which we don't anymore because we have a – it's all filtered. And then the the washing machine and the dishwasher, it – prevents sediment from getting into those mm, equipment. So you, yeah. you protect your equipment. So really great stuff. Uh, I, I speak highly of them because I was a customer first. I love their products and they became a sponsor. So check them out, eps-online.com. Or if you want to go to this special little link that I'm going to show you, it's, uh, well, God, not eventual. Eventual is a good link, eventual.org. It's this one right here, link.developinglafayette.com slash eps Check them out. If you use that link, we'll get a referral kick. We love that. Um, and so, yeah, let's get back to uh, the conversation here. So, real quick, Diamond Williams comments. It says, uh, hey, Alicia Johnson Cook, Lit 36. <laughs> oh, look, see, you're getting, you're getting a lot of good vibes right here. So, all right. You were talking about thriving in Lafayette and opportunity. And uh, there is something that I... I'll, I while you were talking about, you know, <laughs> moving back to Lafayette and making it your home, there was a question that I wanted to ask you, and it's a very, it's not a hard hitting question, but it's a it's a it's a question that deals with one of the topics that I have for you with diversity and inclusion. So, as a black woman, do you feel that you've been limited in any way? By your skin color in Lafayette or in the in the country at all, because it feels like you're a pretty successful professional. Like, what does that what does what does that feel for you? I definitely feel it more here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I was the only black person in my MBA program, so that was the first time I really felt it. Um, and obviously, I, I made friends, you know, but I definitely saw the other side of it. Um, I can say, in, in growing up here, I didn't. 
see it or feel it, right, as much. I, I know it was there, but, you know, when you're in your community, right, the community that, that is automatic and it's, it's welcoming, you know, we talked about this in, uh, at our retreat, you know, it does make a difference. Uh, when I moved away um, in Knoxville, like I said, I felt it. Um, but as I traveled around, I never felt that it limited me. Um, I think my exposure being the only black person in my program to, um, you know, to, to that type of experience, I guess I'll, is the yeah. best way for, for me to say it. Um, but coming home, <clears throat> excuse me, coming home, I do feel limited. I don't generally feel like ostracized or anything, but there are definitely times that I'm like, okay, well, what's the difference other than that? Right. You know, I, like I said uh, earlier, you know, my bio is like it is because I'm like, I'm constantly trying to qualify myself. Right. Um, whereas, I mean, to be completely transparent, I definitely see people in opportunities um, in roles that, you know, you can tell that they're learning and growing in, which is great. But <clears throat> when you have the opportunity to hire, so if you have an open position and you have someone that is very qualified in that specific space, you know, <clears throat> and then you have somebody that, you know, is not, let's just, you know, yeah, yeah. is not, um, <clears throat> and they get that opportunity and it gets to the point that it's so blatant, uh, that's when it hurts because you want to find a reason to justify the decision. Um, and I have definitely been faced with that here. Um, and it is tough because it makes me feel like, you know, I'm constantly striving. I just actually started a certification program for a black belt. Um, and so, um, uh, black six, belt, six, lean six, six, not, not karate. Oh, sorry. I was about to say, <laughs> I'll beat him up. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> lean six Sigma, <laughs> which, which is something, it's a certification that's really big, you know, especially in supply chain manufacturing yeah. and logistics. Um, and, but it's an instant advanced, uh, certification, um, cause I am green belt certified right now. And what that means is that I have a, a systems approach in, you know, looking at processes to minimize variation and waste and, um, you know, increase value add, you know, just making processes more <clears throat> efficient. So that's um, when, when you say supply chain professional, that's kind of what, uh, what all that means. But needless to say, my point is that, you know, I'm, since I've been here, I went and I had my project management professional certification. Um, I, like I said, working on my, my black belt, I was doing those roles, right? I had those skills, but I didn't need those certifications because my experience spoke for itself. Um, I could go, and especially in Memphis, and let's be fair, um, in the, the cities that I lived, they were big cities. So that meant that there were organizations that were larger, Right. Um, and coming home, having to kind of find where that community is and then infiltrate that that community of yeah. people that would understand and value my skill set. So I'm constantly trying to qualify myself because um, I'm not a person, honestly, that feels like certifications and degrees make a difference. You could pay for that. You could pay for a degree. Right. Yeah. But when you have 15 years experience in something. But. I have to get this piece of paper that's going to say that I can do it, even though I have 15 years of experience showing that I can. Yeah. Um, that's where I am right now. Okay. And so that's that's been my experience. Wow. So I guess the re one of the reasons why I asked you that question is because it's obviously a hot-button topic. Everybody's, you know, talking about that. And I feel like we, we were in the nine. I feel like in the 90s you didn't hear a lot about, like, racial diversity and inclusion and I felt like it seemed 
from my perspective, and I lived in the country, mind you, that it was pretty quiet, a, a quiet season in the 90s because you did have, like, your 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 50s and 60s where they had all the, the protests and marches. And then now, especially 2020, that, like, really just light a fire. And so um, the reason why I'm asking is that mm-hmm. it's just I'm trying to find your perspective. And another thing is in getting my leadership classmates to come onto the podcast, it's quite interesting that without me doing anything to, to, to encourage this, cause I, we have a, we have a Slack, mm-hmm. uh, a, a lit 36 classmate Slack where we chat and we can just post any kind of links and information and everybody's open to read it. And I put the invite out for this podcast mm-hmm. To my classmates, and the majority of the classmates that have accepted and have come on are black. So it's just interesting that (laughs) you have thoughts on that. I I want to hear your thoughts. What what do you what do you feel? Why do you think that is? Like because in my and and this I might take your thought, and I don't want to take your thought, but I feel like we can share it. (laughs) I feel like you guys, the black community, are making every uh, every opportunity count and so whenever you see an opportunity you jump on it yep okay i yeah. um, so i'm gonna go to the first part of your question which is you know the 90s and the feel um and like i said even for me uh i graduated <clears throat> high school in 99 i'm telling you all my age um, <laughs> but i'm proud of it i'm proud of it well um, you look great for your age no, see, and i don't like, even know how old you are you, like you're you, like 35 hey, let's go with that yeah yeah we don't do math <laughs> don't do the math don't count don't don't calculate the years but um graduating in 99 um like i said um and so my childhood I, it was never very blatant right but i think um you know, when we think about the 90s and all the years that, that, that came before that, it was definitely there, right? <clears throat> but I do think over time, and this is how it lands with the people that are coming on this po- podcast, I feel like people of color have been finding their voice. Because, um, and now I'm speaking for, for me and my experience um, and from my perspective, I feel like there was so much fear of retribution Right. When you speak up, you may lose opportunities. And I honestly, I still feel that in some ways now. But in in my big age of 42, you know, I I feel like if if I lose an opportunity because I speak up, then that's not where I needed to be in the first place. So I think that as we began to see more and more um, just blatant acts of racism and discrimination, um, institutionalized racism and discrimination, you know, it really does get to the point, and especially with these, the new generations, right? They're all becoming more and more vocal. Um, One, because we're getting further and further away from the institution of slavery, the the outright, you know, slavery, but then, you know, you have the Jim Crow and then you have the new Jim Crow. And there's so, that's a whole, like I said, another thing, but um, education and awareness will drive people to be more empowered to speak about their experiences. Um, For so long, I feel like um, people of color have had to qualify and quantify racism and discrimination. We knew it existed, but there was always a way to say, oh, but this, like, oh, it had nothing to do with your race. You know, I made this decision because of that. And what can you say? Right. You know, these are decisions that people make based on unconscious bias or direct and blatant bias. 
But how can you tell? All we can see is the result. So at some point, we have to be able to pull together and, you know, and make things happen for ourselves and take the chance of, you know, losing opportunities or any potential, you know, um, repercussions that may come from speaking out. Um, and so I feel like uh, the other side of that, when you um, put that link out, you know, for me, I was a little nervous. Um, and that's why intentionally I was like, what's the last date like, <laughs> that he has available? Um, you know, but I knew I needed to take advantage of this platform. Right. Okay. Um, and, and not just for, you know, to, to advance myself, but I think it, it gives an opportunity to speak about an experience that um, a lot of times we want to pretend like doesn't exist because it, it doesn't directly impact us. Um, and so one of the things right now, you know, as president elect for the 705 and becoming the first black president of the 705. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I can say that I've seen, I mean, no one's been like blatantly like, but I've, I've seen this. Oh, you're going to be, you know, it's that, that surprise. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, Highly qualified. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I feel like even in my time within the 705, I've helped to drive um, some some great tra- change and and really advancing the the organization. Um, but do I think that there'll be some people that you know um, may change their perspective and thoughts of the 705 as we continue to try to be more diverse? Yeah, and I'm here for it. I'm ready okay. for it. Okay. So you think the the thoughts would be leaning more negative like because right now is that where is that where you're kind of thinking i mean so not negative but um let's say i don't think it would be negative but it's definitely driving some conversations let's say that okay and it's driving conversations that we are going to embrace um the increase in diversity in our board which Looking at the the board, and again, I've only been back in Lafayette for, you know, just going on my fourth year, um, but from my understanding and historical perspective and talking to others, you know, that diversity on the board hasn't been there. And I actually had someone that was on the board, um, a, a person of color, that reached out to me and they were like, I'm so excited for you. We've been trying for this. There have been individuals that, in a like I said, I'm speaking just from what what information was given to me, um, that people have tried to become, you know, the president and just didn't have those opportunities. And being, again, fully transparent, you know, in the time that I've been with the 705, we have changed some bylaws and our approach on how we um, accept, not accept, if how we uh, recruit um, board members and how we are very intentional about making sure that they're a good fit, making sure that people have the opportunity and that it's not a popularity contest. Yeah. So, okay. And you know, that's what I thought of leadership Lafayette whenever mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a popularity contest mm-hmm. at first. And then my, uh, a good friend of mine, I'll just say that, uh, is on the board for leadership Lafayette. And that's not how I got on the board. <laughs> But I, I found yeah. out, I mean, not on the board, on the Leadership Lafayette, yeah. but I found out that the selection process for Leadership Lafayette is double blind, yeah. meaning they redact all the information mm-hmm. that leads to who you are. Now, it just, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be based on how you answer your questions yeah. and all that stuff. And I guess, I don't know what they're looking for specifically. Right. I don't know if they're looking for good grammar or just uh, your community mm-hmm. involvement and yeah. all that good stuff, but 
this was the first time that I applied. Now, granted, like if you, anybody that's listening that was uh, part of the selection committee, I'm going to, since, since we're about to graduate, right. so I can say that now, uh, <laughs> I used AI to help me write, oh, write my information <laughs> because I didn't have a bio on myself. Right. I don't want to write about myself. I hate yeah. writing about myself. It's weird. Same. And especially in third person, like it's so odd. I'm like, look, I need, I need a, a, a party that's not connected to me in a, in a way. So AI is just kind of like this neutral zone. And I said, Hey, write a bio about me with all this information that I have. So, and it did, and it seemed like it's it good. worked. And like I, I got on the leadership lab. Yeah. So obviously I don't think you used AI. And if you did, kudos to you. you honestly, I wasn't aware. There you go. I would have absolutely, when I say I stressed out about those essay I'm questions, telling you. I asked multiple people that had gone through just people on the board, like, you know, it does have to be 1500 words. And like, I struggled. 1500 words. And there were people that were like, oh yeah, I used every single word. Wow. And then there were other people like, no, I just wrote what, you know. And so it's, it's, that's what I really do love about leadership Lafayette is that I think there is intentionality yeah. around, you know, being diverse and, you know, it's not, I mean, there's, there's always going to be some relation, you know, um, opportunities, but I feel like leadership is, trying their best to like you know take all of that out of it and to really be intentional about making sure that the right people are the right mix of people are in the class i feel like our class is like super diverse almost to the point that it's too diverse because i think it stifles <laughs> conversation sometimes because people are concerned about like you know um insulting someone um i'm very vocal i get that and yeah. I, I feel like we have some really good vocal people but like what i keep saying and i put it in my survey so this isn't new but i feel like we don't have that opportunity to really talk about what we just digest right oh um digest it um i feel like if you have a differing opinion i want to understand that was why i went right because i want to i don't want to just go in and revalidate how i feel that doesn't do anything for me i want to learn more about what other people's thoughts and perspectives are so i can walk away and say okay you know what i received new information i hear their perspective but i still feel how i feel or you know what I didn't realize X, Y, and Z. And so that's going to kind of formulate my opinion a little differently. Um, and I don't know if we are having that full opportunity because just because a comment is said, I want to understand why I want to, I want us to be able to have a healthy dialogue or healthy discourse, if you will, um, you know, to really grow from it. And sometimes I feel like we don't get that. No, I, I feel that too. There were times in, in a couple of the classes. So if you're not familiar with Leadership Life yet, you have one class a month, and then you have the following week you have a debrief, and you can go there and, like, talk about what stuff you've, you've heard. And the classes, the class days are full. There's a back lot. To back to and it really, honestly, in my opinion, and I never put this in a survey, as I, I guess I should have, uh -oh. um, is with all that information and all that coming at you, in a eight to five day, it's hard to really process one thing after the next, and then you're on to the next. So to even have a conversation is hard because it's it's moving quick and you have a schedule to be on. So it's it's one of those things where like there are there are a few conversations where I can tell like I know you you were starting to get vocal. Uh, Shira gets vocal and. I know there's a sassy couple of Shire. other of our, uh, I know, sassy Sarah. <laughs> there was a couple of other of our classmates um, that also wanted to be vocal, 
and it was going to make a good conversation, but it, like, it, it started to go in, and then it just stopped, and it was, I was like, man, there was going to be something there. Now, was it making me uncomfortable? Yeah. A little bit. It's it's uncomfortable. Make, having conversations that you don't normally yeah. have, especially in a class of, what, 34 people, mm-hmm. gets a little odd. And yeah. it's like, you know what? And I've had plenty of conversations with white people, black people yeah. about race and like relationships and like, you know, and sometimes there are opinions and there are things said on both sides that, you know, we can learn from. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted, I, I feel that from you, it's like, I wanted that too. Like I wanted yeah. a little bit of that and it just. And it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I mean, growth, we, we knew that going growth, in, it was yeah. supposed to be. Growth is uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, when, when you're good and you're, you know, comfortable, change isn't really happening. You're, you're, you know, I'm not even going to say complacent because it's not necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, to me, we're going into this space for that, for those uncomfortable conversations. And if I have to be transparent, you know, you asked about, you know, people of color, we live in a state of uncomfortability, you know, when we, you know, stretch ourselves outside of our community. You know, there's no more separate but equal, right? We're trying to to, to grow and live together, um, especially for the advancement of Lafayette, because I'm going to be specific to that, because we're all in leadership Lafayette because we want to be leaders within our community and whatever that looks like for you, right? So we all have a passion to learn more and do more in the community. Um, that's one of the things that I love about this class is that everyone is just doing these amazing things, right? But, you know, you have your people that like the, going back to that poll, it was cool and all, you know, but there's a lot of people that, you know, are doing things. Talking about the power pole the with power the most pole. powerful yes, people sorry. in Lafayette. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I'm not used to podcasts and giving background. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's cool, but it also told me something else, right? Yeah. I looked at that list, and, and I looked at the, um, I think it was 100 and... Mm, it was like almost 200 people oh, that were voted, but the amount of people that responded to oh, the survey. Oh, right, right, right. Very that few. Was a small, yeah, like 100 something people. Yeah, it was like 190, 160, something like that. And there were 2,000, like 2,300 votes, right? That then had this list of 293, but there were quite a few. Like, I think I was 141 with like. 12 people, right? So it's, it's still, again, very cool, you know, um, to, to have my name make it to that list. But it also helped to, you know, to show that the influence that a small group of people have. And a lot of people are looking at this and it's like, oh, you know, but there's a lot of people that wouldn't, that their names are not even known by that hundred and something people. And that's what Leadership Lafayette shows. It shows those people that, you know, you might not know their name. Lit 36 was in there, like yeah. well represented. Yeah. But I'm sure it's because we have this platform with Leadership Lafayette and we've been um, meeting all these various uh, people with our program days, which is great. But not everyone has that opportunity as inclusive as Leadership Lafayette wants to be. And and they're doing a really good job of it. I have conversations with people that are like they don't feel like, to your point, you know, it's the, the popularity contest or it's for a certain group of people. The same thing that we deal with with the 705. It's a perception. Um, but perception is reality. Mm-hmm. And so there are some key people that are not being, you know, brought to the table, if you will, or even asking to come to the table or trying to get to the table. 
just because, you know, they don't think that, hey, this that's not a space for me. Or, you know, I've, I've heard it from teachers a lot. You know, well, we can't go to Leadership Lafayette because, you know, we can't like we can't take that time off. And of course, I advocate for leadership. And I'm like, you know what? It's it's one Friday a month. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, let me not. Yeah. But I mean, it, but one Friday a month. I mean, if you tell your administration team like, hey, I really want to do this. It will help me in my career, whether it be teaching or yeah. plumber or whatever yeah. have you. I think I think they would make some concessions. I think they would. I don't think the issue is with leadership, leadership yeah. Lafayette. I think it's just that perception within the community. And like I said, going back to seven hundred five and or even junior league. Let's let's be like ACA. Let me. So all of the organizations that I'm a part of. <laughs> okay. I am the minority, not just on the board, but I'm also, well, 705, not so much, because we are definitely moving the needle there. And uh, Junior League has definitely been making strides um, to become more diverse in the management team and ACA as well. But change happens, you know, over time. But if we have to be honest, all three of those organizations have a history of being all white. Yeah. Right. Um, but especially for ACA, um, with the goal to, you know, really enrich uh, Lafayette in this region in arts and culture, you know, we have to be very intentional about reaching out and changing that perception. There are a lot of people and not just people of color, maybe different socioeconomic status that feel like junior league and the ACA isn't for them. They'll pass that building and like, Oh, that's fancy people in there. Yeah. No, it's me. I'm really regular. You know, you look Um, fancy (laughs) though. You look fancy. Let's just be honest. She looks fancy. (laughs) Thank you. But, you know, we're really trying to say, hey, this space is for you. Leadership Lafayette, we need you. We need your perspective. You know, in Junior League, you know, we need more women that want to serve the community. Um, in 705, our young professionals, you know, so um, in all of these organizations, and that's the diversity and inclusion that we talk about, I live that. You know, in all of these organizations, I'm a part of their efforts to increase their diversity and increase, increase their inclusion. If that means we're changing how we put people on the board, our um, interviewing, our, our nominations process, Process, our selection process, you know, because because I'm process oriented, I'm root cause. We're gonna we're gonna address the system, the foundation, the fundamentals first, because nothing's gonna change in, until you do that. So I think that's been a really big part of you know not just leadership Lafayette, you know, but just making that change at the leadership level. Yeah. So you so you said something about the power pole and. You know, there's a lot of people on there, and there's also a lot of people that are rightfully powerful in the community that are not on there. What's funny, I say it's funny. It's funny for me. It's not that funny. Um, it's like funny, haha. <laughs> yeah, it's not funny, haha. It's, it's funny, ironic. Like, um, I don't consider myself a powerful person. Either. It's weird. Yeah. And everybody was like, what are you talking about? Like, you reach thousands I mean, of people. I do I think mean, you're powerful. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, but... And this is kind of a, a thing that I think deals more more or less on a another minority that isn't always mentioned, but a socioeconomic minority. And I did not grow up in money. Right. And there's a lot of people who who don't. I mean, the majority of us do not grow up in money. Right. There's like a, a small percentage that do. And kudos to you. You know, that's that's a blessing. Um or a curse. It could be a curse, too. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but whenever we were in our last class and the power pole was mentioned, uh, I think uh, mm-hmm. Kate Le- LeBeau mentioned it. 
And she was like, oh, my God, there's, like, all these people in our class on this list. And I didn't even know about this list. I didn't even get the vote on it. I, I get the PowerPoint emails, but it goes to my spam. Sorry, Adam Daigle. Um, I, 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 if I, had, I had to yeah. think about looking for it. But I missed this one. And whenever uh, Kate was reading off the names of people in our class that was on it, I never heard my name. Yeah. And I didn't expect to hear my name. Right. And... <laughs> I got curious, and so when the link was put into the Slack right. at class, I clicked the link, and there's like over 200 people in there. So I was scrolling, and I scrolled all the way to the end, and I never saw my name, but I, I guess I glossed over oh, my name because yeah, there was so, it was so many, and I was just kind of scrubbing. And then somebody said, oh, Ben, you made the list, and whenever I heard that, I didn't believe it. Right. Somebody said, I made the list, and I was like, this must be another Ben. Mm. There's another Ben. So I found my name. And I, I stared at it for so long, and I'm like, "What does this mean? How? <laughs> like, why? I mean, now the list is debatable on like the how it was categorized and what sources and how it was, you know, gathered. But um, it's still really cool to make the list. But it was just, I was just in a, a state of like, what is? Yeah, what does this mean? Yeah. How am I powerful? I'm not a politician. Right. I'm not rich. I want to be rich. So if somebody has somebody, if there's somebody that's rich, yeah. would like to make me rich, I'll 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 accept that. Um, but I was like, what, what what is what is this? And I and I still think about it. Like I I don't know. Is it because I'm in leadership Lafayette? Is it because of developing Lafayette? Because right. if 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 not for any of that, would I have even even been on the list? Right. Probably not. It's so funny you say that because I did the same, and I because. Um, I'm not the best with Facebook and because I'm trying to, you know, this entrepreneurial journey and I keep having mentors say, you know, post and, you know, put what you're doing. And I'm like, it's so cringy for me. Um, and so I was like, <laughs> should I, you know, put it up there? Like, but what does it mean? But I did the same thing. And, and it's, this is bad that we do this to ourselves. Um, because like I'm sitting here and you'll say that you don't think you're powerful. And I'm like, Oh, you're powerful because this, this, and this, and this, I know why you made the list, but I'm looking at the list and I don't like, once I saw my name, I was like, Oh, well, this must be, you know, it, it oh, yeah. Be, yeah, yeah you know? this ain't credible. Right. And so, it, but then I have some other friends and they're like, Alicia, like you're doing this, this, and this, and this, but because the things that we do are just natural, you know, you're good servant leaders, the people that, you know, it, I think intentional, like how you, um, your motivation, let's say that your motivation and what you do. And so it doesn't seem like an effort. It doesn't seem like there's power, but I can tell you if I have the opportunity to affirm you, you know, this platform does give you power, the ability to use your voice and give others an opportunity to get their voices out there. That is very, very powerful. And, you know, I, I like to take that opportunity to, you know, affirm others because sometimes I need other people to remind me of my greatness. Right. But like I said, that, that, there's, you know, that humility where like, I'm not the braggadocious type. Like it's, it doesn't come easy to me because it, it makes, cause my motivation is intrinsic, right? I'm not, if I was doing this for extrinsic motivation, you know, for the money and all of that stuff, I, I wouldn't be here, Yeah, you know, yeah. but you know, but you are powerful. I just want to say that. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And you are as well. Thank you. <laughs> um, we do have uh, a couple of comments flowing in. So um, Ivan says, I believe Isha will, Alicia will thrive wherever she is. <laughs> Ivan is one Ivan. of our classmates as well. Ivan also says, you're a powerful person in this community, Ben. The information you provide is second mm -hmm. to none. I thank you, Ivan. And then Brian Olson 
says, somewhere in the world, there is somebody with your dream job who hates going to work every day. Facts. That and is love, crazy yeah. to think about. That is absolutely, because what I love, people hate. I will, everything in my life is on a spreadsheet. Like, I, oh, nope. Like, oh, yeah, I love a good <laughs> spreadsheet. I'm doing a pivot table. I will do all the things with ease and happiness. I will, you know, do all of the, you know, asking the questions, following process. I When we went to Stuller, I was nerded, nerding out. Nerding out. I wow. was like, I and I was just really astounded that they had such a um, high class supply chain system and something that has like given. Oh, no, so this much is right in your alley, the supply chain. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, it was just so crazy to me to see that it was right there under my nose. But it was also a reminder of, you know, just the different. I mean, I think Stellar does an amazing, not I think, I know Stellar does an amazing job, but also what they do is they cultivate their leaders. So the opportunities to come from the outside are, are very slim because they, you know, because they grow their leaders. Everything about what they do, um, you know, is developing their team. Um, so although it's a, a great organization that, again, I would love that opportunity may not necessarily be there for me, just given the culture of the organization. But yeah, I, that that comment is is very yeah, real. Yeah. So you mentioned Stella. So is that a place where if you had an opportunity to work there, you you kind of hinted it would you, that you would want to work at? I mean, I don't know enough about like we had that. Well, let's say I'm open to all opportunities. Right. Obviously. Yeah. So, um, but for me, that is like, you know my happy space, if you will. I mean, it's a big company. It, it's an it's, international company. It, it is. And so the, um, the opportunities to me are, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities. I honestly have not specifically sought out opportunities there. Um, but obviously one part we hadn't really talked about was my healthcare. Um, when I came back, I went to UL post MBA, um, see all these long titles, post-MBA healthcare administration certification. So I was investing my time, money into healthcare. Um, unfortunately, it didn't pan out, obviously, just things that kind of fluctuate in the market after COVID and just, you know, healthcare is really going through an interesting time right now. Yeah. I know you've seen the layoffs and things like that. Um, so right now I'm trying to pivot and I'm like, okay, do you, you know, this investment in healthcare, do you just put it to the side? And so that's one of the big reasons why I haven't been super like intentional about finding those types of opportunities because I'm still on the fence on, you know, do I just walk away from these years of investing in healthcare? Um, from an academic standpoint, yeah. from, you know, uh, working in healthcare and, you know, even from a financial standpoint. So it's, it's, uh, Yeah. I don't know if that answers the question. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, Let's you're still that. figuring it out. Hey, you know, I think that's good. Uh, um, I still figure out things too. Um, people like like I uh, like Brian uh, mentioned. So, I, I I wouldn't. I don't know if I would call this my dream job. Right. My dream job, it was would be a, a job that I would probably end up hating. But my, I don't honestly. I'm thinking about my dream job. I'm like, what is that even anyway? Um, I want to say probably 10 years ago, my dream job would be to work in a, a highfalutin fancy uh, ad agency. Okay. I would have, oh, I yeah. would have loved. That's a lifestyle. To, uh, it is a <laughs> lifestyle so to be in an ad agency. Um, and whenever I moved here in 2010, I, because I moved here doing graphic design. That's that was how I got to Lafayette. And I still do it, 
but um, under my own work, and I, I don't have an agency per se, I just, I like doing it. Um, I applied at every ad agency in town. Mm. And did, did I feel qualified? Not 100%. I felt qualified enough mm. to where I could learn. I was, I could learn easy. I'm a good learner whenever it's something that I'm interested in. And I applied at all these ad agencies. Uh, some of them, some of them did not were not interested at all, whether they be, they were too small. They were just individual people mm -hmm. that just called themselves an ad agency, yeah. which a lot of people do yep. to make themselves sound mm -hmm. bigger. It's yeah. just, just a not knocking it. It nope, is part of the part hustle. Of the yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the hustle. Um, but there was, there was one that attempted to take a flyer and it was uh, Russo. Well, they were formerly called Russo group. Now it's brand Russo in downtown mm -hmm. Lafayette. Yeah, I love um, and Jackie, we, I sent in my resume and my portfolio, all the stuff that I had available, and Jackie actually brought me in and interviewed me. And I was so grateful mm. that 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 moment even came along. Yes. And I thought my dream job was about to happen. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, man, I'm about to be a part of an ad agency. I'm going to be able to create all these cool logos right. for, like, these big companies. And then she asked me, do you know how to work in design, which is another program of the Adobe Suite? And I'm like, no, but I can learn. Right. I know Adobe Photoshop and Illustrator and a couple of the other things, but I can learn it. And they needed someone who knew how to work that because right. they do a lot of um, a lot of their efficiencies are based with that program. I'm like, well, crap. I, I okay. So I didn't get the job there, right. but which led to other things. Other doors opened, and if you are any type of person, whether you're faith based or not. Um, you know that one door closes, usually another one opens, hopefully. And sometimes you can kick the door down, but, you you know, usually the door <laughs> opens. Um, so, yeah, if I would have had my dream job, it would have been an ad, ad agency, but I don't know if I would have loved it. My dream job changed over the years. Like I said, my initial major was poli-sci. I wanted to, I mean, I still feel like I want to be a lawyer. I have to blend it. But my point is that over the years, it kind of changed, right? Um but now at this point in my life, I think my dream job, it, it doesn't it doesn't have a title in my head, but I know what it looks like. I know the characteristics of it. Um, I do think that it, it's going to be something that really marries my passion for the community in which that I live with my passion around process improvement, all things super technical. Yeah. So and that's 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 it's, it's funny because the dichotomy is very similar to what you said with what you see and then what I do for fun. Um, it, it's the same here. My, my jobs tend to be very technical, um, but my passion, even though like I love doing that, but I've always done both. I get paid well to do the technical stuff, and then I have the time and the, the flexibility to do all the community stuff. Now, if I'm able to marry that together with the compensation, right? Yeah, that's, that's the, the compensation. compensation has to go with it. Because I still want that stability. <clears throat> There's still a certain life that I want to live. And, and so when I think about, like, that, you know, that job that that I want, it's, it's I don't know what it's called. I don't know what industry it's going to be in. I, all I know is it's going to feed me in all those areas. You know, it's going to I'm going to have that true work life balance, which everyone defines for themselves. Um, but for me, I'm very much so a work hard, play hard type of person. Um, and what I've learned over these last couple of years is that regardless of how much I get paid, I'm still going to give you that 100 um, percent. However, 
I could only do that for so long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so it's, it's funny you when you use the example with um, Brand Russo, or the Russo group at the time, um, you know, you're, you're qualified, you want to, to do that role, but there's a part of it that you don't know. And so for me, when I came home and decided to go into healthcare and I thought that it would feed me right in, in that way, which it does because there's a lot of community aspects to healthcare and they need the efficiencies and the, the, um, the cost savings that I, I do pretty well. Um, but do they, um, do I have the opportunity here? You know, are there roles? Because in the smaller organizations, to your point earlier, you don't have as many of those roles. There's not as much money to invest in roles like that. But what I did was I, I took a financial cut to get the experience that I needed, right? So I already took a pay cut when I came home. My first job was, you know, supply chain services manager at the lake. I was driving out there um, every day, loved it. Um, it was a pay cut, but still getting pretty yeah. good. But then to come home to Lafayette and have the opportunity in this fellowship um, to be able to, one, bring value, but to get that exposure and um, hopefully to catapult me to the next position, I took a very steep pay cut that the type of pay cut that I had to ask my husband, like, Hey, can we, can we do this? Like, are we, you know, are we good? And you know, like I said, I have an amazing support system financially, emotionally, all the things. Um, so we, we took that, that risk and I got the experience. I got all of that. I was able to provide value, but I didn't get a job. Right. And so that's where it's like, okay, you, it's a risk for you. Cause like in something like that, especially with an ad agency, you have more chances if you do like an internship or something, right. And you learn, right. But not everybody, especially the older you get, you don't have those opportunities to learn. And so that's the, the most difficult part right now that I have a skill set that, um, by itself is, doesn't qualify me for certain industries, but I don't, I don't feel like I have to. I should have to start all over, you know, from from the bottom, if you will. Um, so it's been very interesting to kind of like blend that together. Um, and so I'm hoping that you know, with AJC Business Solutions, that I have the opportunity to build that dream job, you know, where I'm able to control my schedule, to control, you know, um, to have more control over the clients that I work with and things like that, have more stability, um, and then still be able to pour back into the community because. What that would look like with AJC is that, you know, if I had my ideal, you know, um, like concept in mind, um, it would be all the things that I just said. But then I'm also able to do pro bono work, you know, with, with where my real passion is, is our small and emergence, emerging um, organizations uh, for people of color, like our people of color that are entrepreneurs that need the resources, they need some guidance, but don't necessarily have the money to pay for it. So that that's my goal. So, you know, support AJC business solutions, uh, supply chain operations and project management consulting. Yeah. Good little plug there. Um, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, AJC because, um, that's your business. That's your baby that you, you are launching. Um, I do have the website listed <laughs> on the, on the, uh, caption of the, the post here. Uh, but it, I'll just let you know the website, is it's just it's just a landing page it's just it just says launching soon with the logo um how long have you been working on the website because i do websites oh shoot 
then that's that's literally because um i've been so hesitant because i want to do it right uh-huh. i'm almost like a perfectionist to a fault and so i have people like just do it just get it done it's hard for someone to do that yeah <laughs> right and so i just i i want it to be done right so i have the landing page and what i've been doing um i have a digital business card um that has the link uh to like book time with me and things yeah. like that um but the, the I, I mean I love your support uh, <laughs> <laughs> and honestly I'm, I'm obviously willing to pay for it but I'm that's the process the uh, the time is now for that um the organization was formed uh in 2020 when I came home well, okay. 2021 technically um it when I came home no it was 2020 I'm sorry uh October 30th of 2020 um I was trying to figure out you know what my next steps were so I formed the LLC and I continued to, you know, uh, get opportunities in healthcare. Um, when I did start working, like I said, I give 110%. So I didn't, I wasn't cultivating both at the same time, but, um, over the last year when things started to like, Hmm, I don't know if this plan with healthcare is going to play out like I anticipated. I was like, okay, well now, now you have to start investing in yourself. And so it's been really this last six to eight months yeah. Um, that I've been super intentional and in spending the time to really get the fundamentals and everything, the foundation of the organization set so I'm ready for opportunities as they come. I'm actually um, in the process of about to sign my first contract. Okay. I'm really excited. Um, but once once I sign the contract, then I'll be even more excited um, because then it's real. But yeah. you know, I've worked with a lot of smaller, smaller organizations, um, but because I have a giving heart, like they're like, well, how much do I owe you? <sighs> don't even worry about I know, it. I got it. I know it's so hard like, to, especially small businesses. It's like you I don't, don't want to take from them because yeah. you know that money's coming out of their own exactly. pocket from their family, and it's exactly. like exactly. But I also need to feed my family, so it's like, what do we do here? So it's hard, but so that's why I'm glad. And like I said, that's why I like to be able to. to I still want to do that, but I need those larger um, clients and contracts yeah. that will allow me to do that. Yeah. So I'm really excited about this this next opportunity. It's actually in strategic planning uh, for a nonprofit. Um, so I I do uh, work with nonprofits as well as for profits. So um, I'm. I'm out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're out here. Look, and she is ready to take on the world. I'm telling you. Facts. <laughs> um, Alicia, man, it's been a great hour. Oh, wow. I know. Um, I can talk, sorry. No, no, it's great. I love people that can talk because it, it takes some of the burden on me to drive the conversation. And I'd rather listen to someone and their story and all that good stuff anyway. Because um, I, can, I can talk about myself, but... That's boring for me. I'm like, not for me. Like, I learned a lot about you in this interview and from watching your interviews um, of others and our classmates. So yeah. yeah, and it's been fun to have the classmates on. I mean, I don't know in the past if that's been something that's been done before, but um, I feel like I was like, you know what? I have, like you said, I have this platform, um, and I think it would be great to bring on classmates that would like to come on. So if you're a classmate that hasn't come on before. I'm just saying the link is there (laughs) and you know how to get in touch with me. So I'm, I'm open to have you on and the conversations are open to however they should go. And sometimes I do like to throw in a little curveball question, like, you know, like talking about race. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's something that is uncomfortable. 
but necessary. Yeah, and not not to say that it's uncomfortable in a good way. Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't have any issues with any other race. I feel like I'm a pretty diverse person, uh, and I love all people. And so, having those conversations, just knowing the the state of the world, it's it does cause some hesitation. And yeah. I think that's what they mean. I think that's what you kind of get alluded exactly. to in the class. Yeah. So and you don't want to hurt that's why anybody. You're powerful. That's honestly, and I'm, I'm not even being facetious. I'm not being funny. Um, like that is true power is to ask those questions, to have those conversations. Because honestly, until we're talking about it, nothing's going to happen. All these little pockets of, you know, uh, you know, if, if I sat down in a community of people like me and just talked about, oh, this is blah, 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 you know, whatever it is. But if we're not able to have those open conversations that are going to drive change like this, then change is going to be super slow, almost like a snail's pace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it sounds like you're talking about, like, if you stay within your own community and your own pocket of people, it's an, it's really an echo chamber. Exactly. You, you're all rooting yep. for the same thing, and you're just hearing, hearing the same ideas yep. over and over and over. Absolutely. Yeah, so, and I think that's a lot of people's problems, especially with identity politics mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the way people are these days. It's like they're so steadfast on oh, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican or, yeah. you know, whatever whatever 31 flavors there are. Right. I think there's there's a lot of flavors, but there's only two vanilla and chocolate that people like to talk about. Right. And that one of the, their flavor is the best flavor, and you right. can't tell them otherwise. Right. And if you can just break out of that mm-hmm. that silo, like for me, when I go to Jason's Deli, I get the swirl. I love the swirl, I man. <laughs> Because that's what I was thinking, like a Neapolitan, you know, <laughs> mix it up. But honestly, that that is so true because I feel like it's the extremists, yeah. period. You know, like we learned in class the other day, you know, majority of the people are really in the middle. Yep. But they're they're like, oh, well, but if they're a Democrat and then I have to follow, even if it's extremist or if I'm a Republican. I have, but no, we have free will. And I think that's the biggest thing. And we're, you know, this whole election cycle, if anything, I hope that people walked away with, you know, even if you only have Republicans or all Democrats on the ballot, like still pick who is aligned with what matters to you, because it's not always just with the party that, you know, you affiliate with, you know, the person, the best person for the job maybe someone across the you know the other side yeah and so just being open to that and being educated and, and that's what we're working with 705 to help our young professionals become more educated education seems to be the big one yeah. every time we talk about things that are difficult mm-hmm. whether that be uh socioeconomics mm-hmm. uh you know uh, political based or you know race in situations that way diversity uh education seems to be the one thing that is missing in a lot of conversations because people feel as though they they know it all already and they don't and they don't they don't and because it's hard it's too much and it's human so nature it's, yeah. it's human nature you 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 tend to want to think that you know already but mm-hmm. you really don't and some of the things I love and I'm I'm coming to a close because I know we need to wrap yeah. up <laughs> um, is. There's certain YouTube channels called Jubilee, like the one is called Jubilee. I know I think Vice does some things where they bring in a group of people that are different, different mm-hmm. opinions and different uh, states of mind, and it is really so interesting to hear the conversations. And some of these conversations, you can tell that they are guided in a way that it depending on the channel you watch, that it feels like it's leaning one way or the other. 
But there's one in particular, uh, Jubilee does it. It's called Middle Ground. I don't know if you've ever heard I'm of it. Not. I'm telling it you, look up Middle Ground on YouTube. They bring people, uh, and it's usually, it's like polar, usually polar opposite situations. So the one that I just watched, and um, we have a classmate that I, I would like to have a conversation with this about. Uh, I don't know if she's listening, um, but it was... It was trans conservatives mm-hmm. and trans liberals. <laughs> and that was the most craziest conversation. And it didn't get crazy physical, but I mean there was some there was a lot of emotions there. Yeah. And at the root, even even on some other the the videos, one was like gay liberals and gay uh, conservatives. Yeah. What it boils down to is it's not that they're gays, trans, straight, whatever have you. It's the it's the political ideologies that these people have. I mean, you have two gay people. Mm-hmm. One's conservative, one's liberal. They still bicker right. as if they're like polar yeah. opposites. And you're 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 on the same team, but we all, it just goes to show you just how diverse our exactly. world is and yeah. how different our ideas are. All the little and pockets of, when you mentioned yeah. like the, 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 the far right, far left, and then you have that middle where the majority of the people are in the middle, it, it's so weird to see that because I feel like we are in the middle, but we had like these one or two issues that were extreme it's, on one yeah. side. It, it's, and I, I don't know if it's we're politics. ever going to, yeah, it's <laughs> politics. That's been the issue of, time like mm-hmm. this don't talk about politics but it, let's be honest it's sometimes kind of riveting to talk about it yeah even though <laughs> some people's feelings do get hurt yeah, it's yeah. Taboo. yeah well alicia it was a great conversation and i'm glad to have had the conversation with you same here thanks for having me oh you're welcome and uh yeah if you're listening and you want to uh, if you're, if you, let's say you have some input, if you want to come onto the podcast, I've never done this, but I'll, I'll extend an invite. If you message me and you have something you want to talk about, that's legitimate. Like it, it, not you, try, not just trying to advertise your business. Cause I know you people. Okay. Um, but I, I, I <laughs> cause I, I get messages no, all I the time. Imagine. <laughs> um, and look, that's, that's the, uh, um, that's the thing about having this platform is that everybody wants to be a part of it and I want everybody to be a part of it, but it's, I have to also be mindful of my, my bandwidth of energy that I can do. So, um, but yeah, anyway, Alicia, uh, it was great having you on and I hope to have my other classmates sign up. I I think I have a couple more, but, uh, there's a few that I want to get on and, uh, I think Peyton would be a good one to have on and I'll be honest, that conversation will be uncomfortable. But I, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a, it's it's one that I'm willing to have, and uh, I'm ex- I'm kind of excited about it. So hopefully I can get that to work out. But Alicia, uh, thank you for coming on, and I hope you uh, find all the success in Lafayette that you desire and you deserve. And I look forward to seeing where you go and where you take the 705 as the the incoming president. I think that's really cool. So. Yeah, good luck to you, and uh, yeah, um, hope you have a good weekend. Thank you. Same to you. All right, guys, and that is it. We'll close out. Y'all have a great uh, weekend.